0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Honest Conversations with Alex Cubis, brought to you by Nova. In this episode, I chat with award-winning filmmaker Sunday Emerson Gullifer, who is at the forefront of the next wave of Australian storytellers. She offers insights about her writing and directing process in this down-to-earth and practically-minded, but artistically inspiring conversation. Sunday, who won the Lexus Fellowship at the Sydney Film Festival earlier this year and has also screened at the prestigious Telluride Film Festival, addresses questions about how she finds and casts her actors, how she starts writing a script and what she thinks makes a good actor. Hope you guys enjoy this chat. Uh, Sunday, did you want to introduce yourself? Where are we speaking to you from?
1: I'm at my home in Gondai um, where I've just moved. Uh, my name is
0: Sunday emerson Gulliver and I'm a filmmaker based in Sydney. Awesome. Um, Sunday, you probably don't know the way that I start off all of my conversations is with the same four questions. Uh, this is based on an acting exercise, but I think it applies to all creatives as a means of uh, getting to an understanding of their uncompromised point of view. Uh, in this moment right now, what do you... <laughs> I do know? Oh, you do? Are oh, you listen to it? I okay. I, to
1: I, do, I, I do my
0: research. Oh, okay. Well, I, have, I hope that I you. Most people I are knew usually. What's coming, yeah. Okay. Well, most I people are usually caught it. off. Most people are usually caught off guard. So I'm the one that's caught off guard right now. But um, I'll throw the questions. <laughs> I'll throw the questions back to you anyway. What right now in the moment? What do you sure. think, feel, need, and want?
1: Hmm. Um. I think. Ooh, I don't know. I'm just trying to be in the moment, so I'm trying <laughs> not to think about too much else and just focus on the conversation.
0: Great.
1: Um, the next one is.
0: I think I feel. feel. Is it? Yeah, feel.
1: Feel. Um, I'm feeling pretty excited about the project that I'm working on at the moment. Cool. Um, that one's been coming along and I'm really excited about it um I need I need to unpack um because I moved house two weeks ago and I've been so busy that all my stuff is boxes and uh, that's on the agenda for this weekend and I want to find some time for writing this weekend uh, in
0: amongst everything else yeah okay great I'll, I think I'll, I'll launch into that one the writing process for you with balancing so many other mm-hmm. things in, so many other things in your life you being a filmmaker who mm-hmm. has written the majority or all of the projects that you've directed um, practically yeah. how do you find time to write and what is your process is it sitting down at a laptop at a cafe and then you just start typing or do you have a more specific, uh, method to your approach?
1: Um, there's, there's usually a pretty, a pretty decent station process. Um, the writing time itself isn't always that long or although that's probably more the case with, um, shorter form work. Okay. Uh, so the current, the current film that I'm working on, um, that's, it's actually probably the longest I've had a project in development.
0: It's broken. Had the idea is for that broken? A, broken line like north. Three
1: years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so that started off as a short story that I wrote um, almost three years ago, wow. and I kind of sat on it for a while, and I thought it would be a film that I really wanted to make. Um, I wrote it for the eight. Um, which is the film school that I went to and I was there for a year and I thought I would make it um, as soon as I finished film school and I moved back to Sydney with uh, all my regular collaborators. Um, and so I moved back at the beginning of last year and I sort of reworked it into a draft, applied for some funding with it, which I got shortlisted for but I didn't get. Okay. Um, and I was working on some other projects at the time, so I kind of put that project in a drawer and I wasn't, I wasn't so sure that I would make it anymore, so it kind of just sat there um, for probably uh, about a year. Um, but I don't know, there was something about it that just kind of, it kept coming up and, and I kind of kept coming back to it. Yeah. And I was going through some changes that made the project feel really relevant. Um, and for the Christmas, I decided that it was something that I really wanted to make this year. Um, even if it meant that I had to make it on the cheap, um, save up five grand, go out and make it with some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then
0: as fortuitously enough, uh, yeah.
1: I'm sorry.
0: No, I was going to say as it happens, and what then, was that? I was just going to say as it happens leading up to, um, luckily you won the, uh, Lexus Australia short film fellowship.
1: Yeah, that's right. So then in um, April, having already decided that I was going to make it this year, I found out that I'd been shortlisted um, for the second time and I was shortlisted last year, but I applied with a different project and didn't get it. And then I was shortlisted again this year and this was the project that I knew I wanted to submit Um, and so then... We had about six weeks to pull together the applications. So I wrote, I, I think, probably three drafts in, in in that time and was workshopping it with, um, with my photographer and uh, my lead actress, who's one of my really close friends that I wrote the role for, and then submitted that and found out in... Um, just before Sydney Film Festival, that I would gotten the funding, so it meant that instead of having five grand to make it, we have fifty grand to make
0: it. Not a bad and it jump will
1: premiere at the festival
0: next year. Yeah, great! Congratulations. I'm I just saying, like, not a bad jump. Like, that's a pretty awesome, awesome <laughs> prize. How how did it feel? Yeah,
2: it's it's really cool.
0: Yeah, when you like, obviously, that's the most that's the most prestigious short film prize you can win in Australia, or at least it's it's most well, definitely the most. Um, I guess, financially advantageous. Um, how did it feel to win that? And was that speaking to if there's any aspiring directors listening, how long was the journey between you winning that and you first deciding that you were going to pursue a career as a director? Um,
1: hmm. I mean, it was really great to win it. Um, it, it something about this year and this project felt, really right and I think that's something that I've kind of learned at times when I've been disappointed because I've missed out on a funding opportunity or um, a program that I've applied for and it's interesting because always down the track I can look back and, and see why it wasn't the right time or the project was in the right place um, and I kind of have sort of come to believe that things happen the way they meant to when they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, in terms of what the, what the, I guess, the lead time up to this point has been, um, I, sort of, I, I came to filmmaking quite gradually. I, um, I wanted to be an actor coming out of high school, cool. um, and I went to uni and did a lot of, of theatre and a lot of acting classes and a lot of movement training and voice training and all of that. And I thought that acting was what I really wanted to do. And then, um, but it was interesting because I'd always, without really realising, I'd always had an interest in filmmaking. Like, it wasn't a subject that was available at my school. We didn't own a video camera growing up. So it wasn't something that was um, immediately accessible to me. But whenever I'd been on a set as an actor or I'd done, as a child, I'd done some featured extra work on some, TV and that sort of thing, I'd always found myself really interested in what the crew were doing, Mm. um, because actors have so much time sitting around, and so I was always really interested to watch what they were doing and what that process was. Um, So I started, after I finished uh, my arts degree at Sydney Uni, I kind of was out for a couple of months, um, and I'd done the drama school auditions, and I hadn't gotten in, and I was starting to already get itchy feet going, well, what am I going to do this year? Um, and I had learned to do – I kind of looked around and UTS offered a graduate certificate in screenwriting. And I'd always, um, always been a writer um, in spurts, but, you know, I'd had a little bit of success in writing and won a few prizes over the years. So I thought, well, I'll do the grad cert in screenwriting. Um, but they didn't offer mid-year entry, um, which is when I would need to start the course, but the masters of media arts and production at UTS did. And I was like, oh, this is perfect. I've always been interested in filmmaking. I've got no idea where to start. So I'll do that course. Um, and so, yeah, so I did that for, um, I I did it part time because within six weeks of starting at that course, I also started working at Bell Shakespeare, which is um, like Australia's leading Shakespeare company. Mm-hmm. So I was juggling work and study um, for, the, for the next two and a half years. So that was back in 2012 that okay. I started
2: wow. studying yeah.
1: it. Great. And I sort of dipped my toes in the water, making like a little short in 2013. So I'd say really about five years from starting to work out and get on set and play with what that felt like to then getting the Lexus Fellowship this year.
0: Yeah that's awesome no. and it goes to show that there's a lot of value in allowing things to gestate and to take time in between projects and making sure that they're the best that they can be um Do you operate by that principle consciously or have you found that you just need to sort of trust the process and the timing of things in the industry?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I,
0: like if if given the opportunity, would you make a film every week or every other week? Or would you prefer instead <laughs> of
1: not every week. I mean <laughs> in an ideal world I'd make one every year. Yeah. Um I'd make a film every year. But there's also something to be said for um, I mean, generally what I've done is I've made a film and then had a year in between and then made a film and then had a year in between, and that's been like a couple of things. One, it's been about like creatively recharging. Yeah. Um it's also been about financially trying to get myself out of the hole that making the film has put me in because I've put a lot of money into my own films. Um, And then also it's like there's also quite a long process with shorts and submitting to festivals and then if you get into a festival, going to festivals, um, and it doesn't necessarily line up with, you know, ideally that you're developing projects in that time as well. Um, but and... I have really come to appreciate and value the need for like taking breaks mm. between projects as well, and sometimes just going. Actually, creatively, I'm 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 taking a break for the next two three months and focusing on other things in my life and just general health and well-being so that I can come back really charged and ready to go again on the next project.
0: Yeah that's a great lesson I think that there's a lot of uh, pressure to be really prolific you know and I don't think that prolific in that the way that I just said it is is a good thing that to constantly be making stuff because of a viral social media culture but at the end of the day audiences universally will always respond to quality and what and and need i think well made stuff that speaks to the depth of the human experience which is from your website and your uh i guess would you say your your motto or your ethos bold stories told with heart that that mm. um that mantra i guess you know requires that that time um that's really cool um yeah so yeah. from, from your experiences that you just talked about with working at Bell Shakespeare, wanting mm-hmm. to be an actor at some point and doing a lot of acting things, anyone that watches your short Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, um, which for those listening is a Vimeo staff pick and at last count, I think is nearly at 40,000 views on Vimeo and won or screened at Telluride. Uh, you were nominated for an Australian Director Guild Award for it. Is that correct?
2: Mm-hmm. yeah then, that's
0: right yeah and then uh and one highly commended in the dendy awards for australian short films and also best performance at Flickrfest, which is australia's top short film festival um if anyone were to watch that they would sort of draw the connections between what you just said in your personal experiences and the film i'm not sort of saying that it is is a, is a biographical representation but as an example would you say that you draw uh, in making and writing your own films do you draw a lot from your own life to put it on screen or what's the connection between your own um experiences or other people's experiences that you've heard of and then the content that you're making
1: um yeah I mean I think I think I do draw a lot although I I think especially when you're starting out. I mean, there's there's the adage, write what you know, and that's not yeah. necessarily like write what you've experienced and what has happened to you. I think it's more um, generally about writing about worlds and people that you understand um, because there's so much when you're trying to learn how to make a film that um, if you're also trying to discover and unpack a world that's completely Separate from your own experience, that can be a real challenge. Yeah. Um, so my first big short that I made um was a film called meat Um, it mm-hmm. was about privilege, guilt, masculinity, and boarding school. Um, and I went to a co-ed boarding school. So it was really reflecting on that time and reflecting on that world without you know, it being based in, um, without the story being based in truth yep. or if... the character be- being based on any one particular person, it was very much exploring um, a world that I know quite intimately. Mm. Um, and then with Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, um, yeah, so I had worked for about oh, somewhere between three and five years in theatre um, at Shakespeare, and all interning at a bunch of companies, and making shows myself, and doing bits and pieces. Um, and that that film was really um, a response to all the conversations that were being had in the industry about where are all the women, why are they so underrepresented, yeah. and also um, a series of forums that have been held in Sydney in late. Uh, 2015 um launched by uh, women in theater and screen mm-hmm. um and basically that was uh, an organization of women that came together um when uh in the aftermath of a theater company releasing their program for the following year and i think there was one play directed by a woman right
2: um
1: and so they they came together and they held this pub- these public forums and the first one um was women only and it was it was shocking, like the kinds of things that women were talking about in this space. We're now familiar with because we've just, you know, been coming through Me Too and yeah. Times Up. Yeah. But these conversations were being had back years ago and have been had for years. Yeah. Um. And so, when I when I moved down to Melbourne to go to VCA, um, I didn't I didn't go down knowing that that was the film I was going to make that year. Um, and I had to write something quite quickly. I moved down at the beginning of February, and I was shooting that film by the beginning of July.
0: Okay, yeah, that is a big But it was turnaround.
1: definitely something, yeah, it was definitely something for me that had been percolating, and I'd been thinking a lot about those issues, and for a while I'd also been thinking about um, the female characters in Macbeth and just kind of pondering and, what it meant to be a a woman playing um, roles in these classical texts because, you know, the theatrical canon that we have, those works were written in very specific times. We keep coming back to these plays, but um, they don't necessarily align with how we think and feel about the role of women in society now. Mm. Um, So I was interested in that. And then also for me, it was also about being at a bit of a personal crossroads and sort of entering my late 20s and really pondering how to make a career um, and pondering what the the personal toll and the personal sacrifice was of making great art. Mm. Um, So that's where where that film came from.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, That's, I think, a great example of if you want to make something and say produce a film or make a story and if you're motivated especially by the desire to want to make people think and feel things at a deeper level um, that they need to be I suppose a committed expression of what you believe or what you are thinking about or what you're charged up by Um, so if that's sort of I guess one idea or rule or approach to making something that can be learned from from looking at your experiences in your career um you then take that and then going back to the writing process if we could circle back um how how does it start for you like do you map out a story or do you sort of look at a character first and what's like and then I guess how how often does it change for you with like how a draft ends up literally the words on the page how they end up being uh, a complete draft.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess my my starting point is usually it's usually place, and it's usually okay. Um, ideas.
2: Okay.
1: And uh, in the case of in the case of meet and tomorrow, it was um, having a lot of different ideas and images and fragments. And I, I, guess, um, my cinematographer once said that I approach my films, um, like I'm solving a problem. And oh. I think that's probably quite true because yeah, I tend to take all the fragments and the ideas and the images and the scraps of dialogue and anything else. And there's kind of a process, um, an extended process of holding these things up against each other and trying to work out uh, where they fit and what the connections are. Um, and so it's not, in the case of those films, they weren't necessarily, um, uh, they were very much ideas-driven, much more than they were plot-driven, yep. I would say.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, whereas the next film, um, Broken Line North, Uh, it is it is more plot driven. Uh, I mean, it's not it's not a huge plot. It's 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 quite simple. Um, But starting with the short story first uh, means that when it came to writing the script, I very much had a framework there. And then what? So I wrote the script very quickly because it was basically just transcribing the story into script form. But then um, mm. you know, I'm now up to draft seven or eight and, mm. and what that redrafting process has been about is, is again, finding those connections and, um, finding the complexities and also just, um, finding the specificity. I think that's really yeah. important, um, in work that speaks to people is, and it's, and it's the same with acting. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's creating work that is very specific and is um very detailed and nuanced and on Um, every line so so asking
0: yourself i'm sorry to cut you off but is that um is that you mean by that like on every line when you're redrafting and you're looking at a draft okay i'm just gonna i feel like this needs a little bit of work i'm going to go through and look at every phrase and really ask myself is that why is that there why does that need to be there and if so i should maybe i should cut it out or reevaluate it or Get more specific for why I want to give this to an actor as an example. Is that is that correct?
1: Um,
0: or is that a little bit of a it, mis- it's probably more
1: no it's it's probably a bit more I'm just trying to think about um about what the process was the broken line north so in in that month where um, and because the gestation period has been so long yeah you kind of didn't start to forget what what led to what and where the ideas started to merge and where they came from. But um, what I'd say about Broken Wine North is this year uh, in the redrafting process, it did make significant, and it became a much stronger film. And I think what that, that came from a few, um, it was, there were a few reasons why. Um, one was that, um, I mentioned before I wrote the role for one of my close friends um, to star in uh, an actress called Alice Gyalgong, who um, uh, is a really old friend of mine. We've known each other for almost 10 years. We started off wanting to be actors together, and then she actually became an actor. Um, And she starred in the Australian film The Rocket, for which she was nominated for an Actor Award. And she's next going to be seen on... um, uh, Netflix and Pine Gap's, uh, Netflix and ABC's upcoming TV series, Pine Gap. Cool. Um, and cool. the thing about writing for Alice is that she comes um, from a Lao background. She's Lao Australian. And so um, while I've always had a policy of colourblind casting and wanted to um, uh, approach my work in a way that was inclusive and diverse, um For me, it was about writing very specifically for her um, Mm. and kind of also recognising that the thing about colourblind casting is when that's all you're doing, you're not recognising the differences and the beautiful beautiful um, uniqueness that we all have coming from different backgrounds. So I started to shape the role much more for Alice um, and then I was also workshopping it quite a bit with my cinematographer who this is our third collaboration and um, Jack McAvoy very good at story. Yeah. Jack. Yeah. So he is wonderful story and is someone that um, I really do bounce off a lot. And we had a day for about five hours in the lead up to the application being due where we really went through um, the script and talked about it in, in a thematic way and about strengthening some of those connections and about seeding them on a deeper level Um, so it wasn't it wasn't so much like going through line by line but it was more i I guess going through um and making sure that the uh, that thematically and from you know where the ideas were sitting and all the other things that we wanted to explore that that was really um finding the connections between those ideas and making sure that they were there in the script
0: Mm. Great. Yeah. Have you gathered from your experiences, especially going to other festivals and speaking with other filmmakers that coming from a ideas and place is pretty common for short films, but maybe not for features, whether the plots have to become basically longer to support a 90 minute to a two hour film, or do you feel like they approach it sort of rather the same way?
1: Um, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure. Um, I think I think there are a lot of different approaches that people have out there. Some people, for some people, I think um, it's it's about character. Yeah. I think for some people, maybe working in genre, you there's kind of more maybe tropes that you might call on and more conventions that you might play with and unpack. I think for me personally, some of the films that I have. Uh, responded to the most and um, have really spoken to me creatively. They have been driven by ideas. Mm. Um, I, I, I really like it when a film makes me think and it feels like it's coming at ideas from different angles and you can kind of see the, um, see the craft at work in, in terms of unpacking the ideas. I yeah. think a really great example was The Square, Uh, which was nominated for Best Foreign Film at the Oscars this year. And when I saw that film, I saw it after having made Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, but in some ways it sort of had um, some similar elements. It was about the creative world and it sort of had this um, uh, male character that was at the centre of that world and was exploring ideas around creativity and genius in art from a lot of really interesting angles
0: yeah definitely that's really apt i would recommend that people listening uh if they're just creative or so if or if they're wanting to watch a non-superhero movie that they should start with the square it's made very differently to i mean it's a it's a european uh, i think a scandinavian and um british uh co-production and then there's an American actor, Elizabeth Moss, from The Handmaid's Tale in it too. She plays a character very different to Off-Glen um, in The Handmaid's Tale, or Off-Red, sorry. Um, yeah. Um, so with arriving at your mantra of uh, bold stories told with heart, was that something that you clarified when you were at VCA or is it something that you were forced to come up with when you, just, when you felt that you needed to make a website or what was it that allowed you to come and distill your identity as a filmmaker into something like that? Because it's good and I love that it's uh, so specific. It was actually
1: something – oh, thank you. Um, it was actually something that I wrote in my VCA application. Okay. Well. Um. And much of what I sort of have, I guess you could call that a bit of a mission statement on the yeah. homepage of my website. Um, and every now and then I look at it and I go, oh, should I update that? Is that <laughs> something? And it, it still rings pretty true for me. Yeah. Um, and I think I think what I was really interested in is um, I am very much interested in in films that are driven by ideas Mm. and films that are bold in their approach. But um, for me as well, I do really want to make people feel um, is I am interested uh, in work that sits at that junction of thinking and feeling.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, And so, yeah, I guess for me, that's, that's, that's what I come back to when I think about the sort of work I want to make. I I, I don't want to be safe, but at the same time, I want it to be something that really resonates with people and isn't just out there for the sake of being out there.
0: Yeah. Very true. Very, very true. Um, pivoting now to working with actors um, and you've obviously gathered some great performances from your actors in your films thus far and are all examples of like up and coming Australian talent that we know will be working at a at a bigger level in the years to come. Um, even the actors from Meat, uh, which you shot a couple of years ago, I've seen have gone on to do other cool things since. Um, what type of actors do you generally respond to? And what do you think makes a good performance or a good actor? Um, as at least gathered from from your films.
1: Um, hmm. I mean, you don't want to say that you know it when you see it because, I mean, what what can an actor do with that? Yeah. Um, But there has very much been that sense when I've been casting. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the actors that – I really enjoy working with actors who are smart and their own ideas and um, it being very much a collaborative process – uh, that was definitely the case um, with tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, and I had an exceptional cast in that—a um, bunch of really smart actors, which was really important for the film that I was making. Um, mm. That they brought their own ideas and their own experiences, because I mean, my experiences of working in the theatre, like I never worked professionally as an actor, and even on the L Shakespeare, I worked in marketing, so I wasn't—I was in rehearsal rooms occasionally, but I wasn't. Them in the same way actors are for weeks at a time. That's pretty amazing, Um, given given
0: how on point it is as a film. Just that's as an aside, but that's pretty incredible. Oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there was a there was a that approach was quite. um, It was the writing, like it was from first days to shooting. It was about four and a half months. Wow. Um, Okay. And so I very much treated the script for that as um like I guess a bit of a framework um and I workshopped the ideas a lot like I had a lot of really fantastic conversations with Matilda Ridgway who starred in it and she brought a lot of her ideas Um, and then when Mark Leonard Winter came on board he brought a lot as well and I always knew with that film um that because it was so ideas driven and because the script hadn't had a lot of time in development, the shooting script that we went on set with was actually, it was still somewhat didactic and somewhat uh, was still very much articulating on the page, what the ideas were and they weren't as deeply embedded. So it was very much about working with the cast and we reworked dialogue on set and they, suggested new things and we sometimes even came up with scenes on the fly so that was a very very collaborative process um which was really exciting and so they were very much collaborators in the truth of the word um and I guess that's what I look for in my cast it's what I look for in all my collaborators is um like other storytellers, mm. other people who understand and love story. I mean, I mentioned before that my cinematographer Jack McAvoy has been very involved in in script element on Broken Line North, and it's because he's so good at story. And I would say that he's a storyteller and a filmmaker before he's a cinematographer. Okay. Um. So that's yeah. That's that's what I that's what I look for in actors and collaborators first. And then I guess beyond that is like their own skills at doing their own yeah.
0: jobs. <laughs> Being able to speak, I guess can be, um, that would be priority number one. Um, yeah. Oh. Wow. Cool. All right. Um, given, I, I think with canvas, a lot of great ideas, um, right now then, uh, what do you think feel? Oh, actually before we, before I get to that, was there anything else that you wanted to add or speak about with respect to, the evolution of your career and maybe lessons learned that you'd want to um, pass on to any listeners out there, whether they're aspiring filmmakers or creatives themselves, or even just uh, potential future audiences of your films.
1: Uh, Look, I think it's really hard work. Um, And I think there's a lot of noise out there. Um, one of the things that has really struck me over the last year is how often we're told uh, you have to go out and find a mentor, you need to network, you need to do all of those things to get seen and get noticed mm-hmm. and be heard and for people to know who you are. Yeah. Um, and I think while, while there's some truth in that I actually think that a lot of that stuff is noise. Yeah. Um. Uh, it's why It's something that Ava Duvernay has spoken about. It was like taking off the cloak of desperation and like yeah. that. You know, making your own need other people's problems and just focusing on the work. Yeah, and I think the work is the most important thing. And for me, um, I, I understand the the kind of feeling like you need to be out there and you need to be seen and you need known, um, but. I, I guess because I'm I'm still juggling a day job and the work that I do as a filmmaker um, and my time is so limited, it, it, the best thing that I know that I can do for myself is focus on the work. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, something that has happened a lot over the last years, um, people emailing me without seeming to really know what they're after, but just wanting to... I don't know, have coffee and chat yeah. and while well, that's really lovely, um, my time is so limited yeah. and uh, un- unless there's there's a real point to it, my, yeah. my answer is kind of like, I, I mean, often I don't even have time to answer because I'm, mm. I'm so busy, but it's also like y- you'll get to where you get to by doing the hard work.
0: Yeah, and, and connections aren't a substitute for that. The only-
1: no, I don't think they are. And that, that idea of, I, I know it's something when I listened to your conversation with Aliki, I, something that resonated that she spoke about as exactly. well is that you kind of have to go and do it for yourself. And I guess it's that idea of like not making your own desperation and your own need and your own aspiration, someone else's problem. Yeah. Very I mean,
0: true.
1: like that's to say that you can't connect with people and you know when I meet with people I'm always happy to have a conversation and a similar thing happened when I was in LA last year and I met Alicia at an Australians in film event and we had coffee and it was lovely and I really enjoyed you know listening to what she had to say as someone who's even further along in her career than I am but I think the best connections are the ones that happen organically very true um and i think they will often happen if you're out there doing the work and really making things happen for yourself
0: yeah because they need to, they should as it should be it should be a consequence of your work because people gravitate to it and then you'll end up collaborating with people that you should be and you're meant to collaborate with because your styles are the same or your your intentions are the same or yeah mm. Yeah, I love that.
1: I I think that's not to say that, like, you know, as a cinematographer or whatever, you can't reach out to someone and say, I I really love your work. I'd love to work with you someday. Mm. But I think um, sometimes it's like we think that there's a magic key or an answer, and I just don't think there is. I think it's just everyone's on their own path trying to work things out for themselves. And at the end of the day, none of that other stuff is a substitute
0: for the work. Great, that's a fantastic way, that's a great takeaway. I love that, Um, I've said that to other people as well, so I really love that you reiterated that, Um, very cool. Well, I'll go back to my original uh, end of questions. Uh, Right now that we've had this conversation, is there anything different with what you think, feel, need and want at the start uh, versus now?
1: Um, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I, no. <laughs> cool. No, that's um, great.
0: I think that you, yeah, that's a good example yeah. of uh, sticking by your guns and knowing that you're, Um, usually actors that I interview seem to be the ones that are most changed by at the end of a conversation. I think it goes to show actors are much more, um, where uh, kookier and more emotional subject to change on a moment to moment basis. Um, yeah. So I actually quite like, I really like that you are, yeah, sticking by the same ones. Well, Sunday, thank you so I mean, I guess much. I, I, oh, yeah.
1: Sorry? Uh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, I guess this this is all stuff that I'm reflecting on anyway. So mm. I think when you're thinking about these things and having these conversations, and these are the conversations that I have with my friends um, all the time. Yeah. So it it's yeah, it's all, I guess, a process and it's about clarifying the way you articulate things, but the, the feeling is there and it doesn't always change, I don't think.
0: Yep. Yep. Accurate. Very good. Cool. All right. Well, Sunday, thank you so much for your insights today and for coming on the show. Um, I know that the listeners out there will really benefit from hearing all that you have to say about filmmaking and directing. And guys, make sure you hop on to uh, Vimeo to check out. uh, You can check out Meet and Tomorrow, Tomorrow and Tomorrow um, and look out for Sunday's films in the future, including Broken Line North, um, which will premiere at the Sydney Film Festival uh, next year. And then I guess we'll have to look out for its uh, distribution online thereafter and guys as always uh yeah hit up sunday as well maybe don't necessarily ask for a coffee but um check out her <laughs> other stuff on on the social channels
1: i'm not averse to coffee i just <laughs> don't have a lot of time yeah. <laughs> we're
0: all time poor um all right cool yeah. guys uh until next time thank you